2: We're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George in New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. I hope you're doing all right. We're back after a vacation. Uh, Good to be back. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www. Dot Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria dot com or give my man a call, nine one two two six eight two three two eight, nine one two two six eight two three two eight. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy while you're watching this show right now, like right now. Just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Want a signed copy? Just visit the website or drop me an email, uh, T A L K I N B O X I N G T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. And you know the website, billycboxing.com. Uh, scheduled to come up a little bit later, we got Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Athletic Commissioner, uh, Larry Hazard scheduled to join us. We may or may not do the, uh, blast from the past, uh, I had heard that uh, Alex was a little under the weather, Uh, so uh, if we do it, it'll be on former uh, World Heavyweight Champion and Boxing Hall of Famer, as per request, John L. Sullivan. Um, But uh, we also got some fight results, a bunch of emails to uh, go over, Uh, but uh, uh, we'll get started right now. I I was going to get Sal on, but uh, uh, Sal uh, has left his station. Uh, for uh, <clears throat> bigger and better places But uh, first and foremost I'll start off with uh, the fights From the weekend uh, Danny Garcia uh, stops uh, uh, Brandon Bam Bam Rios uh, In the ninth round With a devastating punch I mean there was no question about that And uh, I thought that uh, Kenny Bayless as much as uh, uh, I'm critical about him A lot of times with all those Googly eyed looks and faces He makes But um, he did the right thing. I mean, uh, Brandon Rios, uh, known for his heart and determination, um, uh, wanted to continue, but you know he's staggering around. Didn't know. I mean when you get a, a shot like that, a one-punch drop, c- crumbles to the canvas the way uh, Rios did. Uh, the best thing to do is stop the fight. Joining me right now you know, with his, his thoughts on that uh, knockout is uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal.
3: Good morning, Bill, and welcome
2: back, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. Uh, uh, It's uh, good to be back in the saddle. Uh, But uh, what was your thoughts on the uh, uh, knockout? Danny Garcia knocking out uh, Bam Bam Rios uh, in the ninth round. It it was a pretty entertaining fight. Uh, Bam Bam Rios, uh, obviously the smaller guy, and it showed uh, uh, in the ring. But what's your thoughts on that knockout?
3: Well, the knockout was a great shot. I mean, I think Rios got lazy with that left. He threw that jab, and instead of snapping it right back and keeping it up there as defense, as you're taught from day one, it kind of lazily just drifted down and pulled and left his chin wide open for a right lead or a counter shot, as Danny Garcia did, and he found the home with that, with that one big shot that put Rios down and barely... Uh, able to even get up by the 10 count and I think the referee made a perfect decision to say hey you know what when he when he said follow me or come to me come to me and obviously he saw there was a little staggering little stir step did the 100 percent correct thing right there in fact I think they should do that more often hey come to me follow me but uh, yeah it was a, it was a great shot by Danny Garcia and uh, a good stoppage uh, by the referee you know in that fight Sal um,
2: Bam Bam Rios did what all fighters uh, become uh, uh, proficient in doing. He, he, went to automatic, he went to automatic mode. He, he automatically lifted his gloves up and was trying to show that he was okay. But like you yes. said, when, when Bayless said, you know, take a step this way, and he went to, you know, it took him a while to find his foot, you know, and uh, uh, Bayless did the right thing. The official time was 2 minutes and 25 seconds uh, of the uh, ninth round. After the fight, Danny Garcia said, uh, it was uh, a tough fight. I knew Brandon would come to fight. It was a good fight till it ended. Uh, Me and my dad had our plan. I knew he was going to stand in front of me. Uh, He worked good on the inside. We stayed composed and followed the game plan. Um, You know, uh, in in what I thought was another clear WWE move and what seems to become... The norm on Showtime. Sean Porter uh, enters the ring, and uh, uh, when asked about that, uh, Garcia said, uh, "I told him it's the Danny Garcia show, but it is what it is. It was my moment in the ring. I know how the game works. You usually, want to fight someone and don't get the fight. Whoever they put in front of me, uh, whatever happens, happens." Uh, after the fight, Brandon Rios uh, said, "I know I was gonna. I know I was doing good in the fight." I threw a lazy jab, but I got caught, just like you said, Sal. He says, I'm sad. I was breaking him down, and I thought I was doing really good. What else can I say? I felt I was up on points and winning the fight, which I don't know if that was true. Uh, He said, uh, what's next? Hopefully, I don't go back down to the gutter. What do you take by that comment? Hopefully, I don't go back down to the gutter. Um, it could be taken a couple of different ways. How, how did you take that uh, comment by Brandon Rios?
3: I, you know, I, I think what he meant by that, and again, this is a guy that that was basically out on his feet. He just uh, obviously, I think he's got a concussion. So I think to collect his thoughts and to think about some things uh, as a knee-jerk reaction, I think that was just his his way of saying, hey, because I lost this fight, I hope I don't lose too many rungs on the ladder and drop all the way down and have to work my way up. That's what I think he meant by that, like his positioning in the, in the top 10 or top 5. Uh, so I, I think that's what his intent was. But uh, who knows?
2: I agree with you. That's exactly how I took it. And, uh, you know, his choice of words, um, you know, because he did battle some – some things, uh, outside of the ring. Um, and I hope he wasn't referring to that, but I took it the same way you did. Uh, in other action on that card, uh, WBC super middleweight champion, David Benavidez improved to 20 and with 17 knockouts when he scored a unanimous decision over Ronald Greville. Uh, it was an exciting one-sided fight in my opinion, 120 108 twice, and one judge had it 119 109 all in favor of Benavidez, uh, the young uh, uh, world champion, a, a guy to keep an eye on. And in uh, uh, a fight that was a total mismatch, um, Jordanus, uh Yugas improved to 21-3 and 3 with 10 knockouts. He stopped uh, the new Ray Robinson. I, I can't believe they even let him uh, use this name. Uh, in uh, uh, one minute and five seconds of the seventh round, uh, Ray Robinson, which pains me to even say drops to 24 and three, nothing exciting about that fate fight. Uh, the new Ray Robinson has been nothing, uh, since he came out. I'm surprised he's still fighting, but, uh, yugos uh, wins himself a position, uh, in the discussion, uh, for uh, a world uh, title fight and some other action, uh, in the world boxing super series, um, Uh, George Groves improved to 28-3 when he scored a 12-round unanimous decision over Chris Eubank Jr., who drops the second fight in his career. He's now 26-2, 117-112, 116-112, and 115-112, with the way three judges scored it. Um, Now, uh, Groves will uh, face the uh, winner of Callum Smith and his new replacement, which I'll get to in a second. Jürgen Brahmer had to back out of the fight due to an illness, Uh, But after the uh, uh, fight, Groves uh, uh, said, uh, um, you know, he was, uh, you know, uh, let me retract. Uh, I'm a little rusty. He was taken to the hospital because of a shoulder energy uh, injury. Energy? Yeah, his shoulder was producing too much energy. He had a shoulder injury, and uh, he was uh, taken to the hospital, uh, to uh, to see apparently it dislocated and he popped it back in himself in between rounds. Uh, but he said, and I quote after the fight, my shoulder feels pretty sore, but I wasn't going to let anything beat me tonight. The med- the better man won the fight. Uh, credit to Junior for getting through the 12 rounds. I didn't think he would. Uh, Chris didn't lie when he said he was going to grit it out. That was a terrific fight for the fans. Chris Eubanks said I couldn't see out of my right eye for the most of the fight. But a cut's a cut, and you got to deal with it. Uh, George has the heart of a true champion, and he did what he had to do. I thought I did enough in the later rounds to win, but hopefully we'll get the rematch. Um, It was a good fight. You know, I I think in this particular fight, I know you didn't watch it, Sal, but I think what happened in this fight was experience prevailed. Um, I think if Chris Eubank would have had a little more experience against that upper echelon fight fighters, which he's really only fought uh, the last few fights, I think it's a different fight. I think Chris Eubank is improving, and to be honest with you, from what I saw at George Groves, uh, this is a guy that's uh, stagnant. He hasn't seemed to get better. He, it seem, he seems to have reached his plateau. Um, when uh, do you see that? Not I, I know you didn't watch the fight, but do you see that with a lot of fighters that you know they they get to a certain level in terms of their uh, uh, you know quality of the of their game? And and just that's it. They they can't get any better. I mean, can fighters always get better, or do they finally reach? A, do some fighters reach a plateau and then that's it?
3: Well, you you hit it right there. I mean, you know, some fighters they constantly can improve. They can learn. They can practice. They can make it their own. The moves. The innate. It, it's very. You know, there's almost like a sixth sense of boxing. I mean, when you're out there, you feel it in your mind. You, you, you have that kinesthetic sense. You see the punches come. You slip. You counter. It's, it's innate at that level. And some fighters can progress and, and let that shine through with their level of competition. And as they improve and as they steadily increase their, their opposition and the amount of uh, 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 output they need to have their bodies do, and, and they rise to that occasion. And that's the brilliance, brilliance of boxing uh, Some fighters They never tap into that uh, Not not that they can't Tap into it, maybe that's all their level is So this, there are many cases Where fighters reach a certain plateau But that's just it And that sometimes is the difference Between great and very good That's just it, it's just a fine line Between superiority And just a very good Um in some other
2: action over the weekend I want to get to. Now, we got a bunch of emails, so if we don't get to your email today, um, don't get pissed. We'll get to it tomorrow uh, because the, the one of my main topics today is, of course, about my main man, Anthony Joshua. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But in a really uh, entertaining fight that only can end the way PBC fights end, um, Victor Ortiz and Devon Alexander... Uh, fought to a draw in front of uh, almost uh, 5,100 people uh, in Texas. Um, you know, to tell you the truth, I scored this fight for Devon Alexander, 116, 112. This guy looked like the old Devon Alexander. Uh, I, I was very impressed with him. And aside from showing heart, Victor Ortiz didn't show much of anything else. I mean, this guy's got more lives than Freddy Krueger. Uh, But nonetheless, the way the judges scored it, and that's all that matters, uh, 115-113 for Ortiz. And then the other two judges gave it, um, uh, one had it uh, 116-112 for uh, um, Alexander. And then the third judge uh, scored the fight even at 114-114, which uh, I thought was kind of a joke. It, It became a draw. And, you know, this seems to happen a lot with the PBC. It's their way of protecting both their fighters, because what happens is both these fighters now have an opportunity for a big fight when, realistically, Devon Alexander should have gotten a win. And what really bothered me during this fight was that the announcers uh, are talking about They're going. Oh, this fight's so important to Ortiz and Alexander because Errol Spence and now Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman are all looking for opponents. I'm saying to myself, they're looking for opponents. Why don't they look at each other? I mean, you know, all these guys could fight each other. You know, this is the problem with the PBC. They are trying to emulate and copy. The UFC—they are doing things their own way, as Frank Sinatra would say. They want to have no ring card girls. They want to have the announcer announcing from some other disclosed location, not in the middle of the ring. You know, they—they they want their fighters uh, to always uh, win, no matter what they put them in. They—they—they they, they brainwash the fan. I mean, this is this is a joke. It's—it's it's like fake boxing. The bottom line is nobody wants to see Errol Spence or Danny Garcia or Keith Thurman fight either. Victor Ortiz or Devon Alexander, they want to see them fight each other. What's wrong with that? I think that's a joke. What do you think, Sal?
3: Well, you hit it on the head. You know, how many times do I get asked daily at the restaurant about boxing today versus uh, I have to use it my era. I mean, in the 70s and 80s. And uh, and I just really, uh, it's, a, it's a shotgun statement. But hey, because we... At that era, with that generation, we challenged ourselves. We didn't care who they said was the best. We wanted to get in the ring with the best to prove we were the best. And that seems to be what is lacking in some of the world-class fighters today that are on top of the game. It's not like they're asking for the fights to fight the best. They're waiting for the promoters or managers to be the voice piece to say, hey, we're going to fight this, this guy or we're going to try and get a fight with that guy. It's not like these guys calling out each other, saying, "Hey, you think you're so bad? Come on, I'm going to fight you. Let's get in the ring. Let's do it." Well, they, it's, it's just. Go ahead. What I was going to say is, you're right. They hide behind the promoter and the manager. Yes. I'll do
2: whatever they say. You know, it, it's it's clear that it's all about the money. And although I can't criticize them, I, I think no, the business. big. Well, I think the biggest problem is that the fans accept it, and you know the the PBC fans, and there's specific fans. Of you know, it's like when with this show, I learned a long time ago. There's people that that watch on TV. There's people that watch, uh, you know, through the streams or or on demand or or on YouTube or listen to it on a radio dial or or uh, uh, listen to it uh, as a podcast. And they're all um, they're all separate. It's like a different audience. Well, it's the same thing with the PBC and and you know Showtime's events and HBO's events. It seems that you know a, a lot of times you got specific viewing audiences and this the PBC audience seems to buy into whatever they say and i i think it's a joke um that uh, that they're accepting the fact that one of these main guys Spence Garcia Thurman uh would fight Ortiz or or Alexander next rather than demand that they fight each other i don't know Um, Let me just get some other fights out of the way. Uh, A super middleweight that looked pretty good. Uh, Khalid Plant improved to 17-0 with 10 knockouts uh, when he won a uh, 12-round decision over uh, Porky Medina in an elimination fight, 120-108, 119-109. And one judge had it even closer than that, 117-111. I thought that it was a complete shutout. Uh, Khalid Plant, uh, not the most exciting fighter, but a smart fighter. Uh, was uh, dancing around, doing his best version of a Floyd Mayweather. Uh, if you like that kind of thing, I don't. But uh, but he won and looked good. Uh, Medina drops to 38-9. And, and then a young fighter, um, which uh, Carlos uh, Belderis uh, went to distance for the first time in his career to improve the 4-0 with three knockouts uh, when he fought uh, uh, Jorge Rojas. Uh, all judges saw, scored that one 40 to thirty six. This is a keep. This is a kid to keep an eye on. Uh, in some other fights, um, in, uh, uh, in the in uh, the super flyweight division, uh, Miguel Gonzalez uh, stopped uh, Roman El, uh, Gonzalez um, on May fifth, and uh, then he uh, had a a, a a devastating knockout of Sammy uh, uh, Sammy. Uh, well, it's supposed to be uh, so. Sammy Reyes, I'm sorry, um, knocked him out the other day, and now he's uh, ready for Chocolito. So we'll keep an eye on that. In an exciting fight on uh, Friday, Ray Beltron improved to 35 and seven with a draw when he scored a 12-round unanimous decision over Paulus Moses, who drops to 40 and four. I loved this fight. Uh, very, uh, a very gritty fight uh, for two guys uh, in their
3: twilight years. What'd you think of this one, Sal? I thought it was great. And as you said, you know, it became a battle of attrition. I mean, they were they were toe to toe. They were covering up, they were doing inside fighting. They were it was classic. It was great. It was a great fight and uh I'm glad uh Beltrán won. It was it was a good fight. As you suggested, it was also the battle of uh you know, the the, the these are the twilight years of these guys careers and uh and uh you know, Beltrán, he pulled it out. He did a great job. Yeah, you know, if uh, uh Moses uh
2: um uh, through a little more punches it might have been a closer fight 117 111 twice 116, 112. Uh, I don't know if it was 117, 111 in my opinion. No, I don't um, think it was Bill and it was entertaining more so than that score reflected. Yeah I thought it was a little closer. Uh, I mean if you want to just drop one point that's fine 116 112. I, I thought it was I didn't score it but uh, but you know watching a fight and and listening to the scores uh, I thought I thought the fight seemed to be a little closer. Uh, than that. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When I come back, I want to talk about the uh, latest news about my man, Anthony Joshua, and uh, the fact that uh, they do plan on uh, coming to the United States for his next fight, providing he wins in March against Joseph Parker. I'll be back in
0: two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's billycboxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And where... Back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us and uh, with me right now. Uh, is my man uh, Sal Rocky Santacola and Sal? Some more news. Uh, we got a bunch of news to catch up on here. We've been uh, out Ooh. for a week, but and and like I said, we got a bunch of emails to read. So if we don't get to yours today, we will definitely get to them tomorrow and Friday. Um, Anthony Joshua was announced uh, uh, actually uh, yesterday. That um, they do plan. Uh, his promoter Eddie Hearn said that they do plan to make uh, to have uh, uh, Anthony Joshua make his United States debut uh, in either August or September, most likely in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. Um, they uh, when they talked about it, he said, "You know, we want the unification fight with Deontay Wilder, but it looks very unlikely uh, because Wilder." is not realistic about the split of the money, but we do feel a fight in America would be beneficial to us. And at Barclays in Brooklyn, uh, since we can't come to an agreement with, uh, uh, Deontay Wilder, it looks like baby Miller will be the guy as long as he wins his next fight, which we'll be talking about a little bit later. He's scheduled to fight, uh, Johan Duopaz, uh, in, uh, uh, in, uh, in the fight That's going to be taking place uh, In Brooklyn with uh, Danny uh, uh, Jacobs on April 28th um, You know what Sal, it's a shame Because I feel bad About this move uh, With Anthony Joshua, number one uh, I, I don't believe that Baby Miller deserves a shot at any world title, let alone Anthony Joshua's. It's a joke that he gets to, uh, you know, get to this position so quickly. And number two, if he's going to come to the U.S. and fight, he's got to fight a substantial opponent. You know, I, I, I by going to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. I can see and feel what uh, Eddie Hearn's trying to show. He's trying to show that Anthony Joshua is going to draw more and better than, uh, than Deontay Wilder does. But you could bet your last dollar Deontay Wilder is going to be in that audience and they're going to pull a WWE move. Uh, what's your thoughts on AJ coming to the States uh, and fighting a, 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 a guy that's, in my opinion, not even a
3: legitimate top 10 contender in Jarrell Baby Miller? Well, you know, obviously, uh, you know, he's been mentioning and he's been wanting Anthony Joshua, I'm talking about, has been his desire is to come to the United States and, you know, have a good fight and a good uh, showing of what he can do. And and um, I think uh, the fans here will love him. They'll uh, uh, I just wish it was against a formidable opponent other than uh, Miller. And, uh, you know, how how better can you make a statement than going into one man's backyard and say hey I'm going to fight in your backyard and I'm going to draw better than you ever have you know I mean that that will be hey let's get it on as Mills Lane used to say um you know for them to try and elevate the the desire to put that fight together between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua and I think that's almost like a, a challenge. Like I uh, dare you cross this line. Let's go in your backyard. I'll show you what I could do, and then we'll have the fans just uh, and everybody just uh, uh, want us to get in the ring, and it'll happen. I, I don't know if that's the best best case, but uh, uh, as you said, I I don't think uh, Baby Miller is a guy that he should be making his United States debut. Uh, I do like the Barclay. I do like Madison Square Garden, and I do like Las Vegas. So. You know, any one of those three will be pretty good, but like I said, there's a certain statement he's trying to make to Deontay Wilder going in his backyard. You know, they also have uh, mentioned that they're not taking
2: uh, his fight against Joseph Parker lightly, which is uh, the end of March, March 31st, and they shouldn't because Joseph no. Parker is a real opponent. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, when push comes to shove, AJ's in a tough fight. He can't be looking ahead. Uh, uh, You know, past that, but as far as uh, uh, Baby Miller, I think that's a joke, and that's going to be you watch, that's going to be what Deontay Wilder says, oh, he's fighting a bum, he's fighting this, Uh, you know, because Anthony, uh, I mean, uh, Deontay Wilder doesn't realize that he too uh, has been fighting nothing but bums, but don't forget, he's going to be fighting Luis Ortiz. I got some quotes from Ortiz, can't uh, wait to get in the ring, but the closer that fight gets, the more I'm looking at that as they're throwing Ortiz all this money. I I, I think Ortiz is going to lay down in this fight. I really do. I I, I don't think that. I think Wilder's going to come
3: out and destroy Ortiz, uh, because that's the plan. But <coughs> excuse me. I one agree thing. with you. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be one sided. And I got I got a, a new nickname for Baby Miller. We can call him Baby Steps Miller. One thing I wanted to mention
2: was that uh, um, uh, Eddie Hearn. You know, uh, said that, you know, keep in mind that this fight against uh, Joseph Parker will be on Showtime. Now, Showtime had six fights uh, with, uh, uh, or I don't know if it was six, but this is the final one. uh, And they used their last offer rights to uh, outbid HBO uh, to get the Joseph Parker fight. So this is the last fight. Uh, It would uh, have been, uh, yeah, it was the sixth fight in a row on Showtime. Uh, But after this fight, he's going to be a free agent. Now, HBO and Showtime both plan on bidding to get the television rights for Anthony Joshua. Uh, HBO's uh, uh, VP, Peter Nelson, uh, has uh, expressed uh, extreme interest in making that happen. Uh, But uh, Eddie Hearn said something kind of uh, you know, it makes me kind of appreciate the the at least the act of loyalty. He said, "Showtime were the guys who backed AJ when other people weren't interested, so they're going to get the first opportunity to sign him to a deal." As far as I'm concerned, they wow. put the money up and invested in AJ's careers when others didn't. So we'll be looking uh, and talking to all the American broadcasters. Uh, but this is a very important decision. Uh, about picking uh, which uh, network we want to be on. Uh, and uh, to hear that he's uh, leaning towards Showtime, Hey hey listen, I'm not a fan of Steven Espinosa or Showtime, uh, but I will because t- I can't stand the uh, commentators on Showtime. I think they're, they're terrible. Uh, but you can't deny that they definitely put on uh, more boxing events than, than ESPN and HBO combined, Sal. So.
3: Well, you know, they really have risen to the top on that level. And HBO has been, you know, treading, not treading water. That's, not a, that's a lack of a, a right definition. But I think they have, you know, fight, clawed, and, and tried to keep themselves as top reign. But uh, I think the, uh, the class of fights, I think the, the, um, the whole broadcast team and scenarios, I think it looks like Showtime has been putting together the package to make a winning successful formula. Uh, HBO I think they've had some growing pains I think they've had some stagnant times and uh, whether they do a reface and a rebroadcast I think that w- you made a comment earlier before the, our little vacation you know that maybe this was HBO's way of uh, putting all the eggs in one basket and making the vie to win an Anthony Joshua contract um, you know by, by uh, pulling back here and there and maybe this is going to be their last or big push uh, when that bidding could start between Showtime and HBO. Maybe so, and that's going to have to pan out. And we're going to have to see. If not, you know, yeah, Showtime has definitely evolved to be one of the best uh, networks out there to show some world-class boxing. Real quickly, because uh, when
2: we take this break, Sal, you're going to be uh, on hold for at least a half hour, then we'll get you back. It uh, doesn't look like uh, we'll be doing the blast today. Uh, Alex is uh, sick again, uh, but... uh um, uh, you know the W uh, the World Boxing Super Series has been great. Um, the cruiserweight division has been great, and uh, you know the super middleweight division has has been uh, fantastic as well. And one of the things I really admired about the World Boxing Super Series not only were the fighters willing to to take the risk and and actually join this tournament, where a lot of them no American fighters uh, had the you know what to do that. Um, we've been blessed with. Um, the same guys participating. That was until um, this past weekend when it was announced that uh, Juergen uh had to uh, pull out uh, of the fight. He was scheduled to fight Callum Smith this weekend, and uh, he said, and I quote, I've been battling a feverish infection since Sunday, Uh, Unfortunately, a fight in this state is out of the question. It's not possible for me to go in the ring like this, and I want to apologize to my fans. I was well-prepared and looking forward to fighting uh, Callum. Um, Unfortunately, due to the World Boxing Super Series rules, uh, the fight can't be postponed because they have all the, the finals and semifinals and everything all set up. Ah, uh, so uh, Brahmer is eliminated from the uh, tournament. Now his replacement, which happens to be the first replacement in the entire tournament, uh, both for cruiserweight and super middleweight, uh, is uh, Niki uh, Holskin. Niki Holskin's 13 and 0 with 10 knockouts. He's 34 years old. Um, his most of his career was as a kickboxer. Uh, the biggest name on his resume is Victor uh, Polakov, who was 13-3 and 1. Um, it's unfortunate that this happened, but this is the rules. Um, what's your thoughts real quick, Sal? I got about 30 seconds. Where Callum Smith getting a a, a substantial uh, a fighter like uh, Jürgen Brommer, despite him being 39 years old, well accomplished. Now, all of a sudden, he gets a guy with 13 professional fights under his belt and hasn't really fought anyone of note. And this guy is the guy that's uh, uh, getting him... Uh, uh, you know, one shot closer to George Groves for the final?
3: Well, like I always say, Bill, we're going to see these fighters put up or shut up. And, and uh, you know, no matter what their opposition has been before, you know, in their arsenal, in their package, this is going to see the the product. Is, is it ready? Is it ready to rise to the occasion and and uh, go in against a world-class fighter and, and show what he's been keeping under wraps? It's as simple as that. Some fighters, they're, they're all that, and they're just kept under wraps. And then they explode on the scene, and they gain with popularity, and they rise to the occasion, and it's, and it's everything you would assume it could be. Other fighters, as they said, boom, they hate the wrapping. They're better off keeping under wraps because uh, they don't fare too well when they step up to the next level. So we're going to have to see in this fight. And just to get an update, uh, Groves uh, says he's
2: a fast healer. Um, uh, you know, there's concern if he can't make it, what happens, you know, do you get do you end up having a final with, with, uh, uh, one of the fighters that's never moved up the ranks in this tournament. That is one of the negatives. Um, and, uh, by the way, uh, Callum Smith and, uh, Holskin faced off. Uh, for their first time the, the other day, yesterday, Holzman says, I'm stepping up to meet one of the big guys in the super middleweight division, but they can expect the unexpected. I'm here to beat Smith. Callum Smith says, Holzman looks like a good fighter. It really doesn't matter who I'm facing on Saturday. I wasn't happy about my performance against Sokolin uh, in the quarterfinal, but this time I'll make a statement not only to the fans, uh, but also to George Groves. I want to put it on a good show. Uh, basically, what these two guys said is exactly what you said. Sal, hang tight. We're going to uh, switch you off for a bit. We're going to get Larry Hazard and come back to you in about a half hour. So uh, we'll see you in a bit. To everybody else, we're going to take a short break and be back in two. So don't go anywhere.
0: Billy Seal will be right back.
2: Hey, fight fans, check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C
0: sent you The one, the only, Don King. Makes
1: me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, Talking Boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. Because we want you to be there with Billy and me.
0: Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson.
2: Wait a minute, man. Hold hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait.
0: What, what? No way.
2: I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there.
0: Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back
2: and we're back you're watching and listening to the billy c show glad you could be with us and uh, speaking about being with us joining us right now boxing hall of famer and new jersey boxing commissioner my man larry has good morning larry
1: good morning billy
2: how you doing my man
1: good very good billy
2: Hey, listen, I want to uh, talk to you about a bunch of stuff. First and foremost, uh, Danny Garcia knocked out Bam Bam Rios uh, two minutes and 25 seconds in the ninth round on Saturday. And um, although I thought the fight was entertaining, I thought Rios clearly was too small for Danny Garcia. But the main thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, was um, Kenny Bayless. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Kenny Bayless, but I thought he did the absolute 100% right thing in stopping that fight, I mean, the devastating knockout of, uh, or at least at first the knockdown uh, that Garcia laid on Rios, and then when he got up, it was clear to me that it was instinct when raising the gloves. I mean, this guy was still in Dream Street. Uh, I thought Kenny Bayless did the absolute right thing. Um, From your perspective, uh, what's your thoughts?
1: No, it, it was the right call, but it was the obvious call. You know, I... I saw a few comments about about that. Um, there was no doubt in my mind that uh, he was going to stop that fight. I actually thought that he was going to stop it as soon as he got up. But he gave him the benefit of the doubt. He checked his equilibrium. Um, although um, he could have even been more convincing if he had moved to the right or moved to the left, okay, because it's a learned response for the fighter to come forward. Straightforward, But it was quite obvious that uh, Rios was done. So, um, to me, that was an obvious uh, stoppage. Uh, I don't think that it, you know, took any extra insight to, although I, I do applaud the referee for doing the right thing. But, I mean, it, it was just one of those routine situations to me in terms of uh, whether it should have been um, stopped or not. Of course we do know that there are some referees who are pretty brave and who would have allowed it to continue. So from that perspective, you know, you have to give uh Bayless the credit that uh he wasn't very brave that night and uh he did the right thing. So I applaud him for that.
2: I I you know, I, I saw when I was watching the fight I saw uh Pam Bam Rios uh, like you suggest, you know, uh, learned instinctively, put put his gloves up at automatic. Oh, and he's and he's saying, "I'm okay, I'm okay." When Kenny says, "You know, take a step forward or whatever," it was like he couldn't even get his leg to work, you know. And then Kenny Bayless uh, made the move. Were you seeing comments that people thought that the fight should have continued?
1: Yeah, I did see some, and of course, um, as as would be expected, Rios was the first guy to. Uh, you know, to echo that sentiment that, you know, he could continue. And, of course, uh, he may have some diehard fans who look to criticize the referee, who felt, but I did see some comments um, that it should have been allowed to continue. But you and I both know uh, that uh, that would have been going down some very dangerous uh, path to allow that fight to continue because it only takes one, one good shot, especially when a fighter's in that condition. When a fighter, he was seriously concussed, and um, a fighter doesn't need to take any extra punishment. You know, the fight had gone into the late rounds. It was quite clear. Um, Garcia looked much bigger and stronger than than Rios, Uh, and Rios, fighting his normal uh, type of fight, I think he was hoping... That he could maybe get lucky, but I don't think he was really fighting with a lot of strategy or real confidence in really trying to outmaneuver Garcia. I think he was just in there to make a good fight out of it. And uh, if he got lucky, you know, or if he could really, really uh, put the fight in doubt by going the distance, then you know, he was rolling the dice, but I think as we got into the later rounds, you could see Garcia just taking charge, Uh, Rio wasn't hurting him at all, you know, there was really, um, very little strategy other than to come forward, throw as many punches as you can, and try not to get, you know, hit too much, but, you know, the punches caught up with him, and, uh, what we saw happen, you know, was uh, pretty predictable.
2: Yeah, you, you you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, Rios was landing shots, but they, they were not affecting Danny Garcia at all. And when that happens, and Danny just started walking through him and, you know, opened up his offensive arsenal, and uh, that was the end of Ray, Rios. And you're right, the, the size difference made a made a big difference in that fight. I mean, just remember, Rios was at his best at a lightweight. Now he's fighting 147. So, uh, uh, you know, hopefully this was a, a decent payday for him and, and that's it. But, uh, another fight I wanted to talk to you about, which really bothered me, Larry. Um, you know, here, here you have a fight that had some significance with two guys that have yep. been basically knocked down and they're trying to get their careers back on track. And of course, I'm talking yep. about Devon Alexander and, uh, Victor Ortiz. um, I watched a fight. I thought the fight was exciting. But I got to be honest with you. I I thought Devon Alexander won this fight. I I didn't think it was even that close. I I thought the fight was one. I scored it 116-112. I I scored that fight. And I saw the glimpses of the old Alexander. I know they were talking about uh, the pill addiction and all of that. And and I tell you, it it seems to to be true because – this is a guy that when when Devon Alexander first hit the the scene, I I thought this guy was was one of the best, and then all of a sudden he just didn't look the same, and he looked like the old Devon Alexander. And given Victor Ortiz credit, I mean Victor Ortiz is what he is. He's a, he's a he's a brawler. He, he's a guy that shows hard at times, um, but uh, he gets a lot of a lot of chances uh, more than Freddy Krueger. I I can't believe that they scored this fight a draw, and all I could think of is that the pbc has taken a different turn and although the the fight looks great on paper when you at the end of the day and you see a draw what happens with these guys is both of them get an opportunity to move forward neither one really loses what was your thought uh on the scoring and the draw and um uh, why it seems that uh, a lot of these uh, PBC matchups, when they're putting uh, fight, you know, their own fighters against each other, that these fights end up in a draw.
1: Well, neither one ended up losing, but the true winner did not win. Um, once again, uh, because it was not a mega-type fight, we didn't. We certainly didn't see the uproar that we saw, you know, in some of the other bouts, specifically the last one that we saw um involving Adelaide Bird in, in Vegas. But the robbery the robbery was pretty much the same, you know. And so so there there we have uh, a real clear contrast picture in the magnitude of the fight as opposed to, you know, the, the robbery or thievery that takes place the crime was just Well, the crime I, i'm part of my vernacular but you know you know what i'm saying um, the unfairness was was equal uh... devon alexander clearly won the fight and what it does it does point to something that i've kind of been denying in the sport for a long time And for lack of a better term, um, there does seem to be a bit of, uh, and and if you can find a better word, Billy, but there does seem to be a little bit of corruption in the sport of boxing. You know, you never heard me say that before. But now, um, you know, I'm calling it what it is. There's no reason why Alexander should not have been uh, the winner of that fight. Now, another problem with that is the method in which judges score fights, which I've been advocating for a long time and now I'm starting to hear echoes of it from a few other people. You have a 10-point must system and the 10-point must system means that you have a series of points from 1 to 10 to score a fight so that these points The points are supposed to paint a graphic of what took place in the fight each round. That's what the numbers are supposed to represent, with 10 being the highest level of performance either for fighter B or for fighter B, or for fighter A. Now, what judges have been doing for many years now, and they seem to not want to break that mold, is that Every fight, almost, every round, if it's close, it's 10-9. And even if it's not close, and a knockdown does not occur, it is still scored round, 10-9. That is not the way that the scoring system is supposed to work. If a round is not close, then the round should be scored 10-8 not 10-9. 10-9 is for close, very close rounds, questionable rounds as to who won the fight. That's 10-9. But if there is a clear winner of a round, then that fight should, that round should be 10-8. If a knockdown occurs in the interim there, perhaps even a 10-7, 10-6, 10-5. Use the numbers, because what could happen in a 12-round fight, one fighter could win 6 rounds, another fighter could win 6 rounds, and you got a draw. But the quality of of fighter A's 6 rounds could be, you know, enormously different from fighter B, where fighter A would have been declared the winner if the numbers had been used properly. But judges somehow don't want to break out of the mold because they fear criticism in the end, okay? So they keep the, the rounds close down all the way down to in a 12-round fight. Well, they get down to round eight or nine, okay? Now they started opening it up a little bit. And that's why you end up with some of these crazy scores, you see? So and until, until judges stop doing that, we're going to constantly be complaining about the scoring now where does the corruption and please forgive me for using the term but i can't think of anything you know better to describe where i'm coming from right now what i mean by that is this is that you do have uh... fighters who fight in certain um, parts of the country fighters who fight in certain venues or whatever they get the nod from the judges because of who they are and where they are. I have seen a definite pattern of this, okay? And until some of this nonsense stops, we're going to constantly be getting decisions like we saw um, last weekend. Now, that's what I have to say about that.
2: I, I agree, you know. I, you know and, and, the, and the example you gave is, is so true. You know, you, you take a 12-round fight. Fighter A wins six of those rounds but he beats the snot out of his opponent for those six rounds. The other six rounds that they give the fighter B, they gave him uh, those rounds because it was close and they felt maybe right. he landed the harder punch or whatever to win that round. And at the end, when you tally up the scorecards, it's an even fight, even, even though it really wasn't. And and I agree with you. You know, a close fight that... Um, you know it was going back and forth back of a close round I should say going back and forth back and forth and all of a sudden a flash knockdown happens you know uh and and that fight was even until that 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 becomes a 10-9 round not a 10-8 you know don't make it a two point swing uh right. if 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 on the other hand you got a fighter battering an opponent and you're going to uh, score that fight uh that round uh Uh, 10-8 because of the battering and then all of a sudden a knockdown happens you're right that could that should be a 10-7 round you know and then I think the results would be uh, uh, more realistic you know for two judges to have that fight even um, you know that that kind of matches exactly what you said you know they gave the first half of the fight to Alexander second half of the fight to Ortiz or whatever uh, and the wrong guy uh, didn't win that. Alexander won that fight. There's no question. He displayed the the better um, boxing skill. He landed the better punches. Uh, no disrespect to Victor Ortiz. He he showed heart. Uh, but uh, but he didn't win that fight. And and you know the the what I what I see, and a couple of things that bothered me with that fight is number one the PBC to me has they're trying blatantly. To be, to be their own league in boxing. They're trying to steal, like, the UFC blueprint, which can't work in boxing at this stage. No. If you no. think about it, the PBC does things their own way. They don't have ring card girls. The announcer's at some secret disclosed location. We, we hear his voice, but we don't see the guy in the ring, you know. Um, they have these, uh, these crazy uh, results. You know, it, it seems that... Um, you know, they're trying to separate themselves, and I think that's a mistake, I think that we need more unity in the sport of boxing, not, you know, uh, separation, We, we need these fighters to be fighting other fights, during the fight, the announcers actually said, this fight is important, because, uh, the champions, uh, Errol Spence and Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman, are all looking for opponents. And the winner of this fight could possibly be one of their next opponents. And I'm saying to myself, looking for opponents, why don't they look at each other? Everybody wants to see these guys fight each other. Why? why how could Ortiz or Alexander all of a sudden earn a shot against Thurman, Garcia, or Spence when we all know that we want to see Spence and Thurman fight or even Garcia and Thurman fight or any of those three Uh, Fighting, how you slip in Ortiz or Alexander just doesn't make sense to me, Larry.
1: Well, I don't know if those commentators really know what day it is sometimes, but, you know, I I agree. That that makes no sense at all. If they're looking for opponents, they should be fighting each other. It's absolutely right. The best should always be fighting the best. So they have plenty of opponents, you know, if they're really looking. You know, and it's really... And and just one more last point. I don't want to belabor this point um on scoring. You know, you have a fight where two fighters are contesting um and fighter A uh actually is winning the round. Fighter B scores a what we call a flash knockdown. Okay? He goes all the way from perhaps if that round if the bell had rung without the knockdown and you know, based on the way they score fights right now, the round would have been scored uh, 10-9 for fighter A. But fighter B now knocks him down. He actually gets a two-point swing because most judges will now give that round to fighter B 10-8 the other way, Billy. That's, That's fighter B coming all the way from a ten nine to a draw and then the other way because you got to get back even first you follow what i'm saying if you're losing if you're losing a round and then you start to come back you know make it close you're only back to an even round now if you're using the numbers properly and now for for a judge to take a fighter who has lost a round totally and he throws a punch and knocks his opponent down so he he possibly comes from down 10-9 back to 10-10 then 10-9 and 10-8 in his favor right. that's almost like a 3 point swing I know Am I am I explaining that clearly Yeah because
2: you know, I, because the, the, I agree you know if you got fighter A is, is beating the snot out of Fighter B, right. and you're right. ready to score it at least 10-9 or even 10-8, and then all of a sudden right. a flash knockdown happens. Fighter B lands a shot that knocks him off balance. He's, fighter A is not hurt at all, but he hits the canvas. The judges are going to score. Most of the judges will score that 10-8 in his favor. Now he loses yeah, he, three points. That's no, like a
1: three-point no. swing. Yeah, you're no. going from down 10-9. you got to pass 10-10 first. got to come even in the bout. And then you're going <laughs> in your favor, ten nine, and then ten that's almost like a three point swing the other way for one punch. That is utterly ridiculous. And we see it over and over.
2: There is no question about that. Um and that that's the biggest problem and, and I think you're right. And and I still uh I, I I still I still think that um I I still think that we have the judges not scoring it in the right order of the judging criteria you know what i mean i i, I mean uh, you know i i think that um i think that the they all know what the criteria is but some put more value on certain points of the criteria than others and that's how you end up with crazy scores as well um i i wanted to just get your thoughts on two more, three more things real quick uh beltron beats uh uh, Paulus Moses uh, on Friday in an entertaining fight um will Beltran get another step I mean he's got a belt now is he going to be competitive at at 36 and the and the mileage he's got or was this the crowning point of his career in your opinion
1: well I think he I think he um you know he's always been a tough kid I think it's for his. I think it's his father who had been promoting him down and around in uh, Mexico um He's always been a decent fighter he's one of he's one of those guys Billy he's one of those uh blue collar type fighters, yep, and he looked good the other night he looked good, and I think that um at this point in his career he's he's gonna you know he's at he's at the end, okay, but you know he's at a good end, you know he's got the experience, he looked good, and if he could stay sharp and and fight like he fought friday um uh, I think that he's, you know, he's got a chance to really, uh, you know, get in, get into that elite group at least for a little while, you know, for as long as it'll last. But well, um, that's I think it's well-deserved because he's one of those type of guys who's really fought his way, you know, and, uh, you know, he's finally arrived at, at this point. And so I, I, think, I think he's still got a lot left.
2: Well, that was the good news. The bad news is they're talking about him – fighting he earned a fight against Vasily Lomachenko so uh he better enjoy the limelight while he can but um yeah. ye- yesterday was announced uh uh Eddie Hearn who's uh, promoting the Danny Jacobs uh, fight with uh, uh Baby Miller on the on the co-main event uh in New York and uh he said AJ Anthony Joshua is definitely going to make his US debut uh should he win uh against Joseph Parker on March 31st not only that but they're saying that the uh, um, fight most likely will take place uh, at the Barclays Center. And he said that they want the unification match with Deontay Wilder, who fights Luis Ortiz uh, in the beginning of March. He said, but because of the uh, outrageous financial demands that Deontay is, is you know saying that he wants, that he's demanding, uh, it looks like they're going to go to plan B, which is Jarrell Baby Miller. Should Miller get past Johan Duapaz uh in uh, you know on that uh, undercard uh in in April do you think well what's your thoughts about that I, it makes me sick that Jarrell Baby Miller is getting an opportunity this quickly I mean this guy has not the, Johan Duopaz will have been the best fighter on his resume should he beat him when they uh, meet meet in Brooklyn Uh, What's your thoughts on that? I mean, could there be someone else that A.J. could fight? I mean, what do you think about him fighting Baby Miller?
1: Oh, who's Baby Miller? Exactly.
2: Exactly. You
1: know, I I mean. (laughs) Baby Miller? Okay. Um, Well, I think that uh, uh, Joshua making his American debut, okay, I think that's going to generate some excitement, okay, because, he is—he is now, I think, the real deal in the heavyweight division. I'm very disappointed that um, Deontay Wilder is uh, going through these, uh, you know, these shenanigans with this, you know, with these demands. I mean, come on, Deontay, you know, let's step up and prove that you're the best. Let's prove it in the ring, you know, where it's supposed to be proven, and not just lip service. Okay? Joshua and Wilder is the fight that everybody wants to see. And what and what I don't understand is number one, is that Wilder is not the cash cow Okay? What makes him think that he is, I don't know. Okay, I think these guys sometimes, you know, um think that they're bigger well not sometimes, most times, think that they bigger they're bigger than who they are. But if you look at Deontay's resume, Deontay, your resume really, even though I do think that you, you are a good fighter, you got a great trainer with Mark Breland, if you just continue to listen to him, but your resume, uh, Deontay, doesn't really speak to all of this greatness that you're proclaiming to be. But now, if you want that, and if you want to become more believable, it would appear, seem to me that you would be more anxious to fight Joshua, even for a little less money, because you're not going to get, you're not going to get the money that you think you deserve in this fight, okay, that you think you deserve, so come on out, and fight the guy that people want to see, okay, because between him and Joshua, he, I think you should look at a bigger picture, you go out, you fight, put up a great fight against Joshua, people are going to want to see it again, you know, you, everybody's going to want to see it again if you don't stink it out, which I don't think you will. I think you will be very competitive against Joshua, and you may win. I'm not predicting that he he can beat you, but he is the guy that really people want to see you fight. So um, I think that would resolve it all right there for us at the, with that heavyweight picture. These other guys... You know, they are just fill-ins until that happens, Billy. You know, um, whoever, you know, uh, uh, he's a uh, uh, Joshua. It's I don't even know this guy that much. No, Who is he? He's, he's, you know? he's,
2: he's just another big mouth. Listen, we're out of time, but I want to make a, a point. Number one, Deontay Wilder has never made $2 million for a fight yet. He hasn't made $2 million. If he would suck it up and take the $7 million that they offered him to fight right. uh, uh, AJ and, and the U.S. television, what he really does from a business point, this is where the people around him are not advising him in a smart manner. Because if he takes that fight, and like you said, let's say he loses, but he doesn't even stink it up. It's a knockout. He could always say he caught me with a look and set up a rematch. This guy, even if he never fights AJ again... Will never fight for less than seven million. He creates a value for himself and a and a and a gauge that will never go back down. So so really, in a sense, he's devaluing himself by not taking that fight. And then here's the other thing, which I think is brilliant, by Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn is bringing Anthony Joshua. To the same venue that Deontay Wilder calls his second home in in yeah. Brooklyn, and when and when AJ sells out that place, you just lost. What 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 Eddie Hearn is doing in a sense is devaluing Deontay more. There might be a, a chance that Deontay gets offered less money to fight AJ uh, after the drawing power that's going to be on display when AJ fights at the Barclays Center. I mean, I. To me, this is it being Deontay's being advised incorrectly, in my opinion, Larry.
1: My opinion too. My opinion too. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what their what their plans are, but I think that he's really being ill advised. I really.
2: And and you know what? Let's be real. In the heavyweight division, anybody could beat anybody. So why pussyfoot around? You know why why take the chance of somebody landing a lucky punch? and ending it all. The same thing could happen to AJ when he fights uh Joseph Parker. You know, he could right, be knocked right, out and, and all right. bets are off and then then the biggest fight that could have landed them both the biggest money never happens. You know, well, so What
1: happens, what happens what's going what happens if Ortiz? Okay? We don't know if uh you know, that's going to be a, a a tough assignment for Deontay when he fights Ortiz. We hope so. Years.
2: We hope so. We we hope that that, that that's a legitimate real fight. if 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 Ortiz gets blown out in one round, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a rotten taste in my mouth. Um, but uh, but we'll see. I, and you're hundred percent correct. That's really the best name, will be the best name on Deontay's uh, resume uh, should he get by him. Uh, and he certainly waited long enough. The guy's 40 years old, but you know how those Cuban fighters are. He's probably closer to 50. He's probably 48, you know, so you never know. You never know. But uh, That's right. Larry, I'll, uh, I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll look forward to you next week, brother. Okay, man. Okay, buddy. All right, you take care. Okay. That's Boxing Hall of Famer uh, Larry Hazard giving, him, giving us his thoughts. Listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back. I'll have uh, Sal Rocky Senecola back with me. we got a bunch of emails to read. All of that is coming up in two.
0: Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing? That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young and he's got Martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. by morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And where Back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, back with us again uh, is my man uh, Sal Rocky Uh Alex is under the weather. And we are not doing our blast from the past today, but we will do it next week. Uh, and it is on former world heavyweight champion in boxing hall of Famer John L. Sullivan. Um, Sal, we got some emails to read. You ready? I am ready. First one's from my man Jesse. He says, Hey, Billy C. and Sal, welcome back. Thanks, Jess. He says, uh, I watched some of the fights and was very disappointed in the Super Series. Eubank was a sloppy mess. Groves was content on keeping Eubank far out with his jab and straight right, but wasn't eager to engage and get into a firefight. I gave it to Eubank just because he was risking uh, to engage, uh, and Groves was either holding or moving away. Hard to watch the fight. Well, he just described every single Floyd Mayweather fight, right? So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it all depends what, what you're looking for. I, I agree with Jesse. I happen to like fighters that engage. Um, and if you're all about safety first and all of that, maybe you should pick another sport. I that, that, That's my thought. And I don't want to sound inhumane about it, Sal. But the truth of the matter is, is that what makes boxing great and what would make it, you know, back in the discussion, good or bad would be more aggression on the fighters. If, if you're going to fight tippy toeing and tapping and running and doing all of that and then complain that nobody's watching it. Well, it is still an entertaining sport. It's supposed to be. And you need action. What do you think?
3: You need action. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you much are, uh, preferred to have an action packed fight, yeah, you're going to be drawn to wanting to come back to the well and see uh, see over and over again uh, versus a stagnant fight. Uh, no, no, uh, no real uh, sizzle on the fight there. Um, he says, he goes on to say, uh, um,
2: let's see, he says, Rios was game, but was too slow and taking way too many shots. He got caught being lazy and not paying attention. Rios might have only one or two more fights left. His style doesn't uh, match a mover and a counter a puncher like Danny, Manny, or even Bradley. Uh, He needs guys like Alvarado who give and take, but that style wears you down in the long run. Uh, Danny Garcia versus Ugas, um, DeMarco, Figueroa, Jose Benavidez Jr., uh, DeLorme, since he probably won't fight Porter, Thurman, or Spence, which is a joke. I mean, the bottom line is Danny Garcia was a world champion, and he lost his title. Now, uh, this is the kind of guy that you want a current champion to fight, to give Danny (laughs) Garcia the opportunity to win a title back and to have the champion show that they can beat a world-class-slash-champion-caliber fighter. Keith Thurman, you know what? My respect for Keith Thurman is diminishing by the day. This guy, Mm -hmm. they're hiding something. There's something wrong with Keith Thurman, why they're not letting this guy fight. This whole marination BS is just that, BS, because the truth of the matter is, is and, and the same thing with, with um, you know, we're talking about Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. You know, if they make that fight, another big fight would be waiting in the wings. God forbid something happens that maybe Joseph Parker beats uh, Anthony Joshua. Now, all of a sudden, the big money fight for both Deontay and AJ goes out the window, now that now Parker starts his little, you know, rise and cherry picking and all of that, it's it's a joke, Sal.
3: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I agree with you one hundred percent, pal. That's what we always talk about. It's uh, it's it's hard to get away from because it's it's the direction, it's the plateau, it's it's where we are today. Yep. Um, Jesse says David Benavidez was
2: terrific, but needs to move his head and feet more. He stands up too straight. Uh, David and uh, Zudo are the best in the division And both beat all the Super Series guys Uh, David versus Zuge, Truax or DeGal next Um, What's your thoughts on Josh Kelly from the UK? I like Josh Kelly, he's a good guy to keep an eye on As far as uh, David Benavidez Come on man, don't even justify that he wasn't in the World Boxing Super Series I mean, David Benavidez Although I'm going to say what I totally don't like people saying This guy's still learning uh, but he is a world champion. You know, it's sad that we didn't have a uh, United States representation for the World Boxing Super Series. It just goes to show you that Absolutely. the mindset of the uh, United States boxers, which in my opinion are still the most talented bunch, are not willing to take chances. They're re- all they want to do is, is get money in their pocket and fleece the fan. And for the fans that accept this,
3: you guys are feeding – you're making it worse, really. It, it, to me, it's embarrassing, Sal. So. Well, it, it's like we said; it's just a new generation, a new crop, a new era. And uh, you know how how many th- when I was coming up, when I was uh, an amateur and and or even a fight fan at eight years old, watching Ali and everything else, and, and looking at these guys that had sixty three fights, fifty three fights, eighty fights, and seeing that they got a title shot after their fortieth or after their fiftieth fight. I mean, you know, the, I I was set on that 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 was the benchmark. You had to have at least that to earn it. And now, you know, we're seeing fighters under 20 fights getting world titles and uh, barely getting the experience or the the seasoned uh, uh, experience that they that they are accomplished and proven and have fought different styles. Uh, and already they're they're spoon fed and and boom, they they fight somebody yeah. that has lesser skill, and boom, they're there with a world championship between 10 fights and 20 fights. Right, right. Um, We got another uh, uh,
2: email. This is from my man Mitch. He says, I think Hearn's plan for Danny Jacobs is to fight the winner of Triple G and Carmelo. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say Carmelo. Carmelo? Canelo. Uh, Now that they're all HBO guys, that works. Then all of a sudden, Baby Miller goes from a wilder this, wilder that. to I want AJ uh, Miller just came uh, from Showtime to HBO with Jacobs. All Eddie Hearn guys.
3: I think AJ going to go to HBO. We'll see.
2: We'll see we'll what see. happens. That's the push.
3: And- that's, the, that's you. You came out with that, and I think, uh, or it was a fan uh, in an email uh, that might be, uh, or it was you, Bill. But uh, you know, to think that HBO has been sandbagging and waiting to, to make the bid onto Joshua uh, is a good point. Valid. Well, hopefully they open up the checkbook because
2: it's going to take a lot. Uh, he's obviously the, the, the name in the sport, especially in the heavyweight division. Um, yep. I got a series of emails from my man, Willie, uh, who uh, sent me uh, uh, one on Monday, uh, one on two, two on Tuesday, so uh, let's get started with him. He says, hey, Billy, see, I like your opinion on the possible outcome of the World Boxing Super Series in the event that George Groves injured his shoulder and will prevent him from continuing. Uh, I've been reading some ridiculous comments on YouTube with people saying that Eubank Jr. should automatically have the right to face the winner of uh, Smith, and he's got versus Brommer, but this was before he knew that, or that other another fighter who wasn't even in a contest should be brought in Some have even suggested that Eubank Jr. should fight the loser of the other semifinal between Smith and Brahmer and then if he wants to go on to the final. I can't see the logic in that because whoever loses uh, out of the Smith fight and goes on to fight Eubank Jr., well, uh, if they beat Jr., then they'll be fighting someone that they've only lost uh, against in the semifinal. In other words, we'd be having the same fight twice. Does that make sense to you? doesn't make sense either to have some outside fighter brought into the contest and pre- possibly even win it or have someone who has already lost his place to be given another chance. How can that be fair on the others? The idea of the contest is to weed out the opposition till one man left is standing. So if a boxer such as Groves can't make the deadline, um, then the last man standing wins by default, and in this case it should be the winner against uh, Smith and Brommer, which it's not Brommer anymore. Uh, it's clear as day to me. If a boxer can't stand up to the rigors of the contest, then you have a big problem. Uh, he says, uh, as to my pre- as to this email, um, the WBS is now down between Smith and Brahmer, and Brahmer pulled out. So now they decided to put in uh, Niki uh, Holskin, a kickboxer turned boxer who lost his last three kickboxing fights. What's going on? Why don't they just uh, postpone the Smith? Uh, brahma fight for four to six weeks and reschedule the the final accordingly then groves would be ready problem fixed this drafting in outsiders is not what this contest is supposed to be about another option is to just let smith advance right into the final with groves i'm sure uh, george won't mind that Uh, i'm beginning to think that the boxing tournaments are not the future of boxing Uh, i'd appreciate your guys thoughts and before we give you our thoughts the last one um is uh he says uh um i thought i'd better let you know that i do understand that these events are financially driven and it's only because of the money that these tournaments even take place my points are made purely from the logistical point of view and at no time do, do i consider whether or not the money is being made or lost by investors of the project i feel that the people who organize these contests are not deep deeply enough prepared for when things go slightly askew and the contingency plans lack depth and they appear to be clutching at straws and rushing things through, uh, when even the tiniest bit of crap hits the fan, and then the whole event suffers in terms of fairness and equality, etc. But not financially. I imagine that careful plan <coughs> and meticulous op- or <coughs> excuse me organization are the key elements involved, so that no matter what happens, the investor's money will still yield a profit, whilst the contest is won. Uh, in as fair and a just manner as possible. I think this is called a utopia, LOL. Um, Well, here's my thoughts, And, and Sal will get yours too, of course. You know, when they set these up, the beauty of the World Boxing Super Series was the fact that they had all the dates lined up. And they wanted to have this tournament start and end relatively quickly. You know the Super Series, the uh, um, Super Six series that Showtime put on several years ago with uh, uh, with Ward. Um, you know the, the the problem with that was the lack uh, of keeping it in, in the limelight. It dragged on for a couple of years, and people lost interest. Um, the uh, the other one that they had, the uh, prize fighter series over in England, that's all in the same day, and they had provisions for a cut or an injury where they would bring in an alternate, you have to have an alternate. Although it seems unfair, you have to have an alternate. And the alternate, what I think should be happening, is that they should have a set of alternates that are actually fighting among themselves on the undercards. So in other words, if you have, uh, um, you know, two, uh, if if you need two alternates, then there should be four fighters. And then they fight each other twice. Um, you know, they one fight, then the winners fight each other. And they're, in a sense, in a mini tournament so that they're fighting and moving up as well rather than have a guy sitting around on the couch and all of a sudden get that phone call. You're in. You're up. You're, you're fighting now. I do see um, Willie's point here, Sal, that it seems unfair to the guys that have been uh, going along. You get an injury. You get an illness. You can't continue, and some guy out of left field like an old uh, murder mystery movie, all of a sudden the killer is some guy uh, that comes in out of left field. What do you mean he did it? Where did he come from? <laughs> where, where yeah, he, where, yeah where, where was he? Was he was you know, you know. What do you mean so and so did it? He wasn't even in the movie, you know. But uh, uh, you know, it, it's sort of like that. I think the only fair way, uh, because you do have to keep in consideration the financial backing of these events, is to have another sub tournament of sorts with the alternates. They have to be willing to progress, just like the main guys, and they should be rewarded financially, and um, you know, uh, do it along those lines. What's your thoughts on
3: this whole situation? Let me ask you this: When did when was the first kickoff of the Super Series here? When did it start? It um, not fight? that long ago,
2: several this months year? back. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was last year.
3: It's going to be done in May. The finals in May. I know, and and here's here's the thought, as has been suggested. There's too many variables, too many hoops, too many things that that can happen, as we know now, between an injured fighter or somebody not making it to the next round, somebody this and that. You know, the beauty of tournaments is, you know, usually going back to the amateurs when you had a national AAU championship or a national um, uh, Golden Glove championship, the whole thing was done in one weekend. Um, Can that happen on a professional level? No. But you know what? To consolidate it and change eh, this is going to be hard for me to say Bill if they should have something to promote maybe something big that will still leave some questions because this is going to leave questions this isn't a world title this is a tournament predicated on who's going to win this tournament who amongst the entries the entrants so, so, so why not have a th- tournament that's going to be uh, six months long or something like that Just follow my thoughts. Have these top-tier fighters that come to join this tournament to get the attention, to get the skill level, to get this and that. Have them do a five-round fight against each other or a six-round fight or a 10-round fight. I don't know. and, And let them get this tournament over with in six months. That's it. Something like that to keep the attention, to keep the continuity, and to keep everything else. You know, uh, that's just it. So even if they limited the fights to five rounds or six rounds, six rounds, uh, and whoever is able to go on to the next level uh, is, is, is is that fighter to do that. Um, and when they get crowned the champion, like I said, because this isn't a world-sanctioned championship, There's going to be questions and doubts, but surely the champion of who wins it is going to be leveraged to fight for some type of world title afterwards. Uh, So the same thing with this scenario. You keep everybody's attention. You have everybody involved. You get the thing wrapped up in half a year, and uh, so other fighters' careers aren't on hold for a year or two. I I don't know. I I don't know. Listen, this tournament so far
2: in the sport, that we live in today. In today's sport of professional boxing Understood. so far is the closest to being the best setup that I've seen. I love the prize fighter tournament over in England where they have it all in one night. Three round fights, you you, you fight, you win, you get uh, some yeah. time and then bam, you move on. I like that. Um and, and that is my favorite. One night it's over, you're crowned and a champ. Yeah. The Super 6 took way too long. Um, the only little improvement is what Willie suggests, that you need a better system for the alternates in the event that somebody gets uh, injured or can't fight for some outside reason, an accident, uh, an illness, or cetera. And to just hand it to a guy that's waiting on the couch, so to speak, no. um, is not fair. Uh, no. it, it's the rules. And you all know, you see, here's the thing. The reason why it's fair is because you all knew the rules when you started so the fighters can't complain but the reason it's not fair from a fan perspective is that this guy's coming in from left field niki holskin has no chance of beating callum smith and if he does it's going to be a huge upset my idea of having a sub tournament of alternates that's going on at the same time does a lot of things number one you're getting altern- alternates that are actually getting opportunities to to win and move on, so they, in a sense, deserve it. And then the other thing is exactly what you said: they're getting experience and they're fighting other fighters at the, uh, you know, uh, assuming they're at the same level, and they're getting wins. They're getting wins relatively quickly, and they're positioning themselves. In a, in a shot for another title at some point, so it's a win win situation for everyone. If they are looking for a fine tune tweaking mechanism, that would be it. I, I think I, I think that
3: that's all they would have to do. Sal, I, I think you know that that does definitely uh, put some light on the subject. You know, even to the degree, why not have the losers of those early rounds. Fight each other to be a future alternate. If a fighter should not be able to uh, uh, come through during injury due to an injury or so, let let the two losers or first couple of losers do a round robin, whatever they have to do to be that chosen. Uh, they'll be designated. Guess what? You won the, the sub tournament, and uh, you will be the opponent. Cause styles make fights. Yeah, well, maybe because fighter A lost to fighter B doesn't mean he can't beat fighter c who's in the finals
2: no you know l- listen you're right they could create a loser's bracket but then it becomes a double elimination tournament
3: You know, uh, uh, when you have a
2: loser's bracket and you give it an opportunity for the losers to to come up, it becomes a double elimination tournament. Now, if you have a loser's bracket with an asterisk next to it and say this loser's bracket is specifically for an alternate, especially in a World Series Boxing, uh, World Boxing Super Series format where they're all the same weight class, that'll work too, Sal. So that's a good idea. Uh, One last uh, email. This is from my man, uh, Luke Thunder Breslin. He says, uh, hey, Billy, C. and Sal, hope you guys are well and enjoyed your week off. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm certainly well, and uh, I uh, recharged 100% and had a great time uh, where I was. So uh, that was uh, a well-needed vacation. It was actually the first real vacation I took in a long time. Um he says, uh, I hope you managed to catch the Groves-Eubank Jr. fight over the weekend. They used to say the fight captured the nation over here in the U.K. Let's be honest, it wasn't a classic. It was very messy fight, but uh, one that's left us with more questions than it answered. The general consensus with the boxing community here in the U.K. is that Chris Eubank Jr.'s stock has plummeted miles. For me, the result was a relief. I'm a big fan of sorts of Eubank Jr. since he debuted. Very rarely do we get to see a fighter's full journey on national television, but with Eubank Jr., we got that. Uh, he debuted it on Channel 5, which was a national channel over here, and his fights have been pretty much televised ever since. However, there's been that uh, niggling voice in the back of my head, uh, which also happens to be the voice of his father. <laughs> Since Junior de, uh, debu- uh, debuted, uh, Senior has done nothing but uh, sing his praise and tell us how amazing Junior is. And in all honesty, we never quite have seen it, that happen. And on Saturday, he was found desperately wanting. So finally, uh, the hype machine that came to an end, I'm not sure I'm telling anyone anything new, but it was blatantly obvious that Junior needed a coach, not a father figure screaming at him going into those middle rounds. He looked completely clueless and just threw wild punches. It was a bit of a shock, uh, but more disappointing that this has led uh, to more discussion at Junior's loss than Grove's win. I'm just going to take the time and say, simply put, he boxed pretty much perfectly for what he needed to do. I've never written George off, and he's getting the tail end of his career now, so I just hope he notches it up a win after a win, and then gracefully hangs up the gro- gloves and strolls off into the sunset. i also like to state my... Uh, admiration for uh, Bam Bam Rios. I've, never been a f- I've been a fan of Brandon for some time. We've been to incredible uh, heights together and crushing lows, most of which involve him not being able to make weight. Honestly, when that man gets in a fight, he just causes me to laugh. Whether he's having an all-out war with somebody uh, or when he's uh, knocked out, he's just a pile of flailing limbs on the floor. The knockout to Danny Garcia made me literally spit my drink out with laughter. Classic Brandon, Uh, You may think me morbid, but every time he steps in the ring, it's pure entertainment. As my friend said, said, he's an old-school fighter and an old-school character. One thing that has been playing on my mind recently uh, with that of the rise of AJ, making boxing more of a household sport again, plus the electric crowds they've been getting uh, for the World Boxing Super Series, suddenly made me realize that they're clearly is a market for the sport in what was considered a non-tradition in what was considered non-traditional markets take one of the cruiserweight fights in the uh wbss was fought in lativa and whilst i understand there was a hometown fighter that crowd was on fire and desperate to see some good (coughs) excuse me quality sport got me thinking of what it would be like uh, to see world champions actually fight around the world i understand that'll be uh said The money isn't right and the television networks say it's not worth it, blah, blah, blah. I disagree. There's clearly a fan base scattered around the globe. Excuse me, I'm coughing here. That are desperate to see the sport of boxing. As we discussed numerous times, the majority of these world champions have earned decent money but dare not take any risks. I just find it disappointing that you have these multiweight world champions who never fight outside of their own country. The great Muhammad Ali fought on six continents as a world champion. Sugar Ray Robinson went on a world tour at the end of his career. So I was wondering what your guys' opinions on the role of a world champion. Great to have you back. What's your thoughts, Sal? Um,
3: I'd rather hear your thoughts first. I got cut off with a little bit. I, I lost some of the, some of the sound.
2: <clears throat> well, first and foremost, um, I think that uh, the Chris Eubank Jr., uh, I think that uh, Luke made a great point. A lot of times having a rah-rah man like your pops in the corner can help sometimes. But in the heat of a battle where you really need that uh, instruction, uh, you gotta you got to get it. And uh, he clearly wasn't getting it on Saturday. Um, as far as uh, Brandon Rios... I don't understand why my man Luke laughs when he's floundering around on the canvas, but I do understand his point about Brandon Rios being nothing less than an entertaining fighter. Always has been and always will be as long as he continues to fight. And uh, uh, the Anthony Joshua rise, clearly has shown that there's a lot of interest in the sport when you have the right character. I've always said that what boxing lacks and what we haven't seen since Mike Tyson is a character, a character that you love or hate, but a character nonetheless. But the difference between, because people could say, well, Floyd Mayweather was a character. You either loved him or hate him. He was in the news. He was doing this. He was doing that. The difference is Floyd Mayweather was not exciting. You gotta be a You got to be a character you gotta have people either love you or hate you. That's part of it. The other part is you gotta be exciting in the ring. You gotta bring something to the ring more than a snooze fest of a fight. That's why Floyd's gonna be virtually a forgotten guy uh, over uh, over X amount of time. I, I, in 20 years from now, nobody's gonna be talking about him. But no, we hardly talk about him anymore, as it is. Uh, as far as world champions fighting around the world. I think that, um, like Dax said on this show many times, boxing is a global sport now, and um, we should bring big events to countries that are willing to house it in big stadiums, and as long as the financial gain is there, why not? I can't stand uh, the fighters that want everything in their favor. It skews it. It leaves a bad taste in the fans' mouth, and it's just negative, 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 negative uh, on the sport, I, I think y- you should go to where the demand is. What do you think well, about you all
3: of that? Make a great point, and that's why, you know, we've been talking about it. Anthony Joshua wants to make his American debut. He wants to come here and he wants to fight and he wants to have a, a, a good showcase where he's going to be able to get, pick up some more United States fans. And I think that's a natural and and that's an incentive for him to come to the states and fight. Um, I, I think that. What you said is is valid across the board, and uh, you know the the fighters that we talk about today are fighters that are uh, good for the sport. Uh, the sport is uh, exciting fighters, and you know, and whether you like them or not, you know, you 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 got to give uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. That you know, they are the pretty much in the driver's seat as far as the heavyweight division, and and we want to see uh, them two clash and. And uh, I thought it was brilliant. As you suggested, I heard you talk with uh, uh, Larry Hazard. And and, uh, as we were saying earlier, for Anthony Joshua to come to the Barclay, I mean, that's ingenious. I mean, you're going to be in in your future opponent's backyard, and you're going to be showcased. And how can you stop the rumblings and the talk about that if you do well? Um, I think that's brilliant. I also loved what you said earlier I don't want to get off the subject, but uh, Larry Hazard. I mean, we, we, we've been scoring it, the 10-point must system, uh, rigidly for for decades with the 10 points going to the winner and the 9 points going to the loser and eight the eight, uh, 10-8 round would be a knockdown. Yeah, but wait well, a
2: minute. The 10-point must system, just so everybody understands, and this was yeah. the point that Larry was making,
3: doesn't right. mean
2: that you have to score a 10-9. It just means somebody's got to get a 10. That's exactly. what the 10 point I mean the, the 10 point it's not changing the 10 point must system it's just no. saying that somebody has to get a 10 the only time that you don't get a 10 is if 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 I barely win a round against you and they're going to score that 10 9 and all of a sudden I get a point deducted um now it becomes 9 9 you know right. um what he was saying was if if you're battering me uh, for three minutes of a round, why should you only get a ten-nine score when you should possibly yeah. be getting a ten-eight? So then the next round, if I squeak by, you know, and, and score that ten-nine, theoretically going into the third round on the scorecards, it's an even fight, even though you beat the snot out of me in in the first round. You know, so that's the whole point
3: uh, that Larry was making, and I agree with him. I agree one hundred percent. And who's to say? You know, why not have a A round you get knocked down, you know, uh, 10-7, or or maybe – and sometimes you have both fighters uh, hitting the canvas on on the same round, and you can score it 8-8 or 7-7. I don't know. There's a lot of ways. When they say the 10-point must system, again, here's the rules. The winner of each round should get 10 points. The loser, 9 points or less. Definitive definition term is less. So who's to say you can't use the scale one through nine to give that opponent who, who or that fighter who loses that round nine points or less?
2: Yeah, but the thing is, is like what what he would uh, Larry was suggesting, is that the the reason why we get these crazy scorecards is because judges aren't utilizing the point system enough. It's the same thing, where if, if I'm fighting you and you're battering me uh, for, for two minutes and, and you know 40 seconds of the round, all of a sudden I land a shot and catch you, and you were off balance. But nonetheless, a punch caused you to go down. The judges would score that 10-8 in my favor. That becomes a three-point swing.
3: That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, and, and that's why, Bill, that's why there will always be some controversy. It's, it's all the human element. And it's all subject to opinion and, and some guidelines, yes, that keep the opinions honest, but you know, that's why we have such a a, a great uh uh point system disparity. I mean, you know without not to take in consideration Adeline birds, but uh uh you know, when it's when it's two out of three judges see one fight one way, it's uh, it's not perfect. It's not perfect, but it's been implemented for decades. And until we come up with a, 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 another, you know, even, even with that being said, could you imagine if we used the 10-point must system with the other numbers coming into play, 10-7, 10-6, you might see judges way off course and all way off balance or whatever. And there will be more controversy then. But uh, I do think that uh, Larry Hazard was making some great points about that. Uh, so who knows there's no it's not a perfect science and never will be
2: Um listen don't forget it's great uh, that we're back and uh, I feel uh rejuvenated here so uh, don't forget to tune in tomorrow uh, we got a lot of stuff to uh, pick up on uh, we'll give you an update on uh, uh Daniel Jacobs and uh, another fraud heavyweight <laughs> named uh, Big Baby Miller Uh, And uh, also some uh, quotes from uh, Luis Ortiz. Is this going to be a real fight against Deontay? I don't know, man. It sounded sounded more like a setup than uh, anything else. Uh, Also, some more news on Adrian Broner. What a clown. This guy turned into such a clown. But uh, anyway. On this day in boxing history, February 21st, in 1998, Juan Carlos Gomez wins a 12-round decision over Marcelo Dominguez to win the WBC World Cruiserweight title. It took place in Argentina. On this day in 2002, uh, Yadamrong Sithodong uh, wins a 12-round decision over Yober uh, Ortega uh, to win the WBA World Junior Featherweight title, and it took place in Thailand. On this day in 1941, Tony Zale knocks out Steve uh, Mamacos in the 14th round to retain his world middleweight title. It took place in Chi-Town. On this day in 1987, our man, Bobby Chez, knocks out Willie Edwards in the second round to retain his IBF world light heavyweight title. It took place in your second home of Atlantic City in New Jersey. And on this day, uh, Carlos De Leon in 1987, Carlos De Leon knocks out Angelo Rotili, in the fifth round to retain his WBC World Cruiserweight title, and that took place in Italy on this day in February uh, 1987, on February 21st. Hey, listen, man, that concludes our show for today. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.
3: Da na 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 a na and then a na and